Welcome to the Father Carpenter podcast. Today I spoke to Peter Duran, the owner and geschäftsführer and manager big dog of Isla Cafe in Neukölln. Um, we spoke about circular economy. We spoke about his approach to service and hospitality. And we had a great yarn. It was fantastic. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Peter. Hey, Grayson. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, to start things off, can you tell us a little bit about what your business is called, what it's about, where it is? Yeah. Um, so my business uh, that I started with my, my good friend, Philip, uh, is called Isla. And it is a specialty cafe that uh, is located in Neukölln here in Berlin. And it focuses on kind of low waste circular economy uh, behind the scenes. But at the surface level, it's just very much like a neighborhood cafe that serves specialty coffee, seasonal food. Yeah, It is an awesome cafe. Can you tell us a little bit more about circular economy? I'm not fully aware exactly what it means. I know it is... Yeah, I'm glad to. So my background is in circular economy. Um, I did a master's degree in something very um, closely related to it. And it's kind of a part of sustainability thinking that very specifically focuses on the flow of resources in a given system. Um, And the way we can visualize that is uh, you take any product, um, let's take the cappuccino, and you follow the individual ingredients through the life cycle of that cappuccino. Like even from farm level at origin? From the teat. Oh, really? Yeah. So how is the milk produced? Is it ethical? Is it organic, biodynamic? Um, How does it reach you? What does that transport look like? Um, How is it packaged? Is it in reusable packaging or recyclable packaging? Um, How do you process it in your cafe? So are your machines efficient? Um, what type of product is created? So the cappuccino, um, you steam the milk, right? And then there is always a little bit of milk left over in the cup, in the jug. And we've always been taught in specialty coffee, you don't re-steam that because you've changed the structure of the sugars and the proteins, right? Um, but that leftover milk in Italy, for example, is something they turn into ricotta, right? And ricotta just means cooked twice. So we kind of see this point where in the cycle uh, where waste starts to take place and we think, okay, how can we feed that ingredient, that unit back into the process? Okay. So is it it simultaneously reducing waste while trying to create value out of waste that you can't reduce, if that makes sense? Exactly. So you're basically trying to make sure that in any given system and any given flow of resources, that um, resources aren't lost or the value of those resources aren't lost. Okay. So whether you reuse those yourself or, for example, you know, swimming pools are starting to get heated by the waste heat of servers, right? Like servers generate all kinds of waste heat. So you're seeing server centers go under pools, right? Really? Yeah, you have this kind of, it's, it's kind of like industrial symbiosis. So whether it's a symbiosis between your business and another, and you see this a lot in industrial quarters and industrial sectors where you have all these big manufacturing businesses 
and they go, oh, I have this waste product, what can you do with it? Or the urban planners, the planners of these sectors will go, okay, what kind of businesses do we need here to maximize synergy? Um, and I saw this a lot in the Netherlands because that's where I did my studies. Crazy. And, yeah. I would love to learn more about this and try and implement a little bit more of that here. It's super fun because, um, I mean, it took us a while in Isla. It took quite a lot of work up front. You know, it's not, it doesn't pay off right away because it requires a lot more thought than just like, and we both know like yeah, opening sure. up a cafe is already very involved, especially if you have a focus on quality, seasonality, so on and so forth. Um, but this requires you to look at each individual product, break it down into its components, and then analyze those components from start to finish and see if those components can somehow, if there are significant amount of waste components, if they can be reused in a meaningful manner, and if the reuse process can be more efficient time-wise, but also cost-effective and eco-effective, uh, than if you were to buy something new, right? Because it does us no good if we're using more energy to reprocess something or if we're spending more in the time of our personnel to yeah. reprocess something. True that. And that's the difference that's between circular economy and zero waste. Zero waste has the goal of no waste whatsoever at yeah. any cost. All the people, all the hours, all the energy. And I think that's a little bit why I've always tried to separate Isla from this zero waste scene. Okay. I think it's a, a legitimate goal in many ways or something we should strive towards. But I think the circular economy is very much grounded in this. We need to generate value yeah. from our waste and do so in an economically efficient manner. Okay. I've never thought about that, about zero waste actually like at no cost getting to zero waste. So the amount of energy used to have no waste would be substantial a lot of the time, right? Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Very interesting. Uh, crazy. So anyway, the theme of the, the podcast at the moment is about service and hospitality. Those two words, whether they're separate or whether they're together. Uh, I remember when I, I don't know if it was when I first met you, but it was definitely the first time that I ever went into Isla, which I imagine was the first time that I met you. <clears throat> I started talking to you about something. I can't remember what the topic was. It doesn't actually matter. But as soon as another customer needed, as soon as another customer required attention, you said, hold that thought or something. And you instantly diverted your attention to the customer, which sometimes would be considered rude. But coming from gastronomy, that was a telltale that you're, you were going to be successful. Seriously, man. It's like my entire life of working in gastronomy. And there's just like one ten telltale sign of like a startup early young business being successful, being successful, or I would say it would have a high rate. And that is a customer centric front of house service. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing is just to acknowledge someone's existence as soon as they walk in the door. As soon as someone feels seen, you, you could serve them a boiling hot super cheap crappy coffee and they'll probably still come back to your business because you made them feel like a human yeah do you know what i mean like we shouldn't serve that but yeah, <laughs> no one should serve that no um but yeah it was crazy and really impressive and it stuck with me for now and forever so it's like i that that for me is hospitality it's not so much service like mm. ser service is just giving someone cutlery because they need cutlery yeah. to not eat with their hands whereas it's like hospitality yeah hospitality is understanding that a customer needs to be 
they need to feel a certain way whether they know it or not or whether they're thinking about it or not at that given time. You as the host, server, barista, whatever, understand that you need to make them feel a certain way. Mm. Yeah. So I would like to hear your take or like what your, as the guest chef tutor, general manager, the person that's like wearing the big, big shoes at Isla, I guess, or pe- pe- one of the two pairs of big shoes at Isla, like what, uh, what is your take on service hospitality? What, like how do, you, how do you go about training it, teaching it, talking to your staff about it? Yeah. The importance of it? Yeah, I mean, actually, I had this conversation with one of my staff members today. Um, Make that go but service is the absolute minimum. It's kind of like the mechanical part, I think, of the cafe that just gets people to this point where they can order, right? So, like, menus in their hand, it allows them to pay, it gets their food to their table, it gets them out the door, and it's, like, incredibly mechanical. But I think that mechanical part of what we do is 20% of everything, right? And like, I also include that mechanical part um, in that is the preparation of the coffee, which like a lot of budding baristas forget that you can't be a jerk because that is such a small part of the experience. Um, I think hospitality requires, for me, it's about empathy. You know, I think a lot of people think they're being hospitable by being super cheery and boisterous when someone comes in, hey guys, how we doing? How's it going today? How's that tasting for you? Especially in the US. <laughs> and that can be quite overbearing. And for me, that's also not hospitality because you're not seeing someone where, like where they're at in that, in that specific moment, you know? Maybe someone's not feeling great. Maybe this person's a bit shy. Yeah. Or they're, or they're coming to your business to not talk to anyone. They just want to sit down with a coffee. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think even, and this is something I've come to really appreciate in Germany, uh, is you don't ask strangers how they're doing. <laughs> you say hello. Yeah, true. Because I feel like it's a bit of an empty question and you're asking a question that you really don't want to know the answer to or have the time yeah. to go into, unless you know that person intimately. I think, um, so I think the first step is just kind of greeting the person obviously acknowledging that they've made the choice to enter your space and at least in this one instance pay your bills (laughs) um and then doing your best because we're not perfect right like we can't be hospitality machines that's i think a little bit antithetical to itself as a concept um to kind of assess okay what kind of service what kind of hospitality uh because they're not interchangeable uh does this person need um and then also, I think kind of guiding them for us at Isla, we, we're an order at the bar place, right? We don't serve at the table, um, which means that entire interaction kind of happens within the first 30 seconds to a minute. And so it's, okay, I've greeted this person. Do they need help with the menu? Do they know how things go here? And then being aware through the entire experience of them finding a table having an eye on how long their food or their drink is taking. And then let's say it's taken a bit longer, bring it and say, thanks for waiting. Um, I don't know. I feel like you kind of have the entire experience in mind. And it's, I think it's a hospitality cliche, but I think we all want our guests to leave feeling better than they did when they, they came in. We want to be a value added to their day, not just like scratch the itch of hunger or caffeine needs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's what it is for me. Yeah. 
Nice. Something that Isla certainly had, that it's definitely evolved over the years I've seen. Mm. There has been like, I would say a, quite a few kind of iterations of Isla's <laughs> internal like aesthetic or like design, yeah. not, not so much aesthetic, sorry, but it's like the ergonomics of their bar. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, my m kind of most recent uh, trips there mm. after doing Kreisel, uh, seeing the setup of the bar, there are a lot of really good visual cues that will probably take away a degree of stress from the workers there needing to provide service slash hospitality. Because yeah. like a lot of what you need to do, a lot of what people in gastronomy need to do in a hospitality setting is reduce negative, anything negative, literally. Any, like try and friction. Friction, exactly. Yeah. Try and reduce... Reduce the person's anxieties and fears that naturally develop going into a place that is alien. Someone walks into your business and goes, do I order at the bar or do I order a, a seat? Is, mm. a like, is someone going to seat me? Do I just take a seat? Like mm. there's a dirty coffee cup there because I can see someone just left. Am I supposed to bust the table myself? Are they going to like, what's going on? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, if there is table service and people working on the floor, it's like I would say that it's really important that they – Calm that person by explaining what is going on inside that business. But if you don't have that person to literally explain, like as fast as possible, explain and calm that person, this is how this place operates. We got your back. It's all good. We're going to like mm. literally guide you from A to Z through this experience. If you don't have those people working on the floor and you are a business that does uh, account of service, like order at the bar, pick up at the bar, it's really important that the, the cafe, the restaurant, the whatever burger joint is set up with visual cues that calm the customer make it obvious yeah make it obvious where the menus are like don't hide the menu somewhere like don't make the menu look like don't make the bar look like you're selling jewelry like mm. make it do you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah, yeah. put the things where it they obviously should be to make the experience as kind of like buttery and smooth as possible without any kind of fear yeah makes sense yeah 100 percent. and i would say isla does a really good job of that now oh, thanks yeah yeah i think the iterations over time um all come from the same place i think at the beginning it was just me right like philip didn't work there yeah it was just me six in the morning till eight at night seven days a week um, and I knew that, you know, offering hand brews and charging that much money in that neighborhood would require uh, a lot of trust and transparency. And, and so a lot of money in the bank because <laughs> man, we started like six, six minutes and uh, yeah. yeah, we started with half the money we should have. Um, I think we all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except for Elon. Yeah. Props. Um, yeah, uh, but I think for me, it was really important. I really like this concept. It comes from the theater of like dramaturgy, right? Like the way what? dramaturgy, it's the way people move through and interact with the space and one another in the space. So it's kind of like the human engineering element yeah. of like space. So this is exactly my jam, but I've never heard of that word. So I'm so excited to hear more it's about this. Thing. I love this. It's a huge thing with set builders. Yeah, right. And it's basically kind of like you're engineering a social environment to create flow and interactions in, in a desired way. Exactly. Right. Do you want like 
the scene to be anxiety inducing then we have like lighting we have tight spaces you yeah know, we have all these things right choice, that choice really, of color smell yeah exactly and wow. film takes that to another level by using certain angles yeah to kind of create this feeling of intimacy or space right and at the beginning i wanted isla to be very open because and that's why we had the bar as an island yeah also a little bit of a metaphor with the name you know um because I wanted people to see how everything was made. I wanted them to see kind of like the craft behind why our cappuccino costs three euros and not two euros, you know? And they need to see that I'm weighing every shot. They need to see that I'll make a new shot if one runs badly, yeah. you know? Because I really do believe, uh, to quote Colin Harmon, you know, your, your menu is only as good as its worst drink. Yeah, for sure. Um, and over time, it became busier and that became a bit hectic and then it became too many people standing around and so i had to kind of create a barrier and a flow because we needed to be always two on the bar um and obviously before people got to the till i already wanted them to have an idea of the food that we offer of the, at least the pastries the quick stuff because we're even when we're full we're still a 70 percent takeaway shop and so i wanted them to walk by their menu as a to-go customer knowing their coffee order and that's done and then if they're in-house they've already seen what we offer there they get a menu and then they can have a seat you know so i think just kind of i think it's empathy again you know like going through the shop trying to like be your own secret shopper and yeah. going like what is this experience like and i'm very lucky that i have a vocal opinionated uh, partner <laughs> who used to be a customer of mine, um, you can probably relate uh, to a certain degree, and now lives above the cafe, and she's also seen it over the last five years. Um, so to get to see that experience through her eyes and go, oh, have you thought about maybe moving this? Because I think people might find it a little bit confusing. Yeah. Because obviously, even though I've been there nearly every day for seven years, and I would like to think I'm empathetic, I still miss a ton. Yeah, for sure. Right? And so I think you have to be able to because I have a fragile ego sometimes, you know, <laughs> I think anyone who's put blood, sweat and tears into something and feels like no one will ever get how hard you've worked to put this thing up, even if it's crap sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's been a lesson for me to really like receive that kind of information openly and yeah. try to do something with it. Also, every, everything normalizes. You just like after you play a song enough times you don't like, you begin to like it. It's like Donald Trump becoming president of the States. Like as soon as that happened, the whole world was like, what the fuck is going on? Dark times. Yeah, but, yeah, but then, it normal, <laughs> then it normalized and it's like yeah. you can have a celebrity being the president or the prime minister or the whatever. Because then you just started saying President Trump. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's crazy. But like my point is that every, everything normalizes like relatively quickly Mm. So then when you, I, anyone kind of create something that maybe isn't super polished inside the cafe, maybe a piece of furniture is in a place that is, does create friction for guests because mm. you're there every single day. It only takes a couple of days before it normalizes for you. And do you know what I mean? It's just mm. yet another one of those kind of like little eccentricities that your business has. Like you need to lift your right leg when you turn the dishwasher on for it to work. <laughs> He's like, every business has that. Okay. I, Small anecdote, I was in a bar in Neukölln for a friend's birthday and I was at the urinals 
and they were very close to the toilet stall doors. Yeah. And they had cut a notch in the stall door to go around the lip. Yeah, the exactly. to open. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where that story was going to go. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, true that, man. That's crazy. Spaces like that. When you go to, if you go to like Copenhagen or you go to Paris and stuff, it's like these small spaces and what people can do in small spaces yeah it's pretty cool i like it a lot yeah same yeah same yeah i would actually personally i would actually prefer to kind of maybe not live but i'll prefer to work in a smaller smaller space where everything's within arm's reach than mm. big open expanses definitely yeah definitely there's a place in london called lift no, uh, coffee shop yeah um where, where is this oh, notting hill Okay. I was like thinking Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. <laughs> um, and it's cool because it's like, I think, it, I think it's three stories, but it's like incredibly small back to front and it just kind of goes real. vertical. Yeah. And they've used this very tight space to create so much seating and like a pretty singular architectural experience in a cafe. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. What did yeah. you say? Lift. Lift. Yeah. Okay. Lift in Notting Hill. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I killed your flow there. No, not at all. I'm yeah. just thinking about Hugh Grant and how good he was in The Gentleman. Excellent. Have you seen that? Yeah. Dude, it was best thing I think I've seen him in. Like, obviously, yeah. he's pretty good in uh, Notting Hill. Yeah. Yeah, but Gentleman, killer. Uh, cool. Uh, let's wrap the podcast up a little bit. Can you tell us, uh, give us your pitch. What's, the, what's happening? What's, what's news? You got anything new coming up? You got any new things going on the menu? You got any big plans? Anything what? you want to talk about? <laughs> Would you like me to be quiet and let you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess a couple small things. Yeah, I mean, I work outside of the cafe for minor figures, um, and we're doing a lot of cool stuff right now around sustainability. And um, I'm really excited where things are going with that company. I feel like it's the first company I've worked with since my jobby job before I came back into hospitality. Um, that I feel like is really kind of pushing the boundaries of what they're doing. The project I was telling you about earlier, I can't yeah. talk about publicly yet. Oh, good. Um, stay tuned. <clears throat> um, but I think there's some very cool stuff happening in like the dairy alt sphere right now and kind of creating, becoming the new default. Um, so yeah, I would just say people keep their eyes on that. Um, Isla's going through some changes right now. I think we started out as just a coffee shop and offered some baked goods and then it grew into this food thing and then we got on the brunch lists and it kind of became this thing that I never thought it would be. Um, and yeah, like I had said, I think there's been a discrepancy between the type of service we offer, like the very functional part and the type of food we offer and it's made us not very good at hospitality sometimes and so we're going through a little bit of a change where we kind of focus on our strengths pair things back and go the direction of kind of like a new york deli a little bit where you have lots of sandwiches some daily specials some cold things a huge kind of retail selection of things from that experience that you want to take with you yeah um one, because I think it's really who we are at the end of the day. Um, the kind of interactions we have, super like kind of interpersonal chats. Our customers are super interested. Even people from the neighborhood that you would never think are there, you know? Like I have people that, you know, maybe have been on 
social welfare for the better part of their life that now drink their coffee twice a week because it's their treat. That's so cool. And they say like, oh, the coffee tastes different. Are you using something different? Oh, I didn't know it was different country to country, that kind of thing. Um, That's pretty cool. It's unreal. It's so heartwarming. I have, you know, an 85-year-old German man who doesn't speak a word of, of English. He was so cool when we went cashless. He was like, oh, I get to use my card now. Um, and he's Did he there. keep it in his like his own personal yeah, little plastic yeah, slip? Yeah, yeah. It's like in a sleeve, you know. Yeah, yeah, he, exactly. he taps it. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. yes. Um, um, so that's a change that I'm incredibly excited about because my team is really pumped. Yeah, they're like all for it. Nice. Yeah. I also like the idea of like if you do a counter service service, mm. having the Every, everything that you've all, as a customer, everything that you have ordered or you are ordering is within view happening. Yeah, maybe not immediately. Maybe the maybe the server is like producing the last five people's order, but like mm. you get to ve- you get to see what's going on yeah. as, as you order it. Yeah. With table service, you take a seat, and it's like kind of expected that it's not happening at the bar; it's happening in the back of, back of the house. Yeah, you I know? think that's also a neighborhood thing. Like oh, yeah? people people in our neighborhood don't want to be served breakfast. I think Neukölln is so like, it feels like everyone's kind of working class, even like hipster expats don't want to be like sat down and treated the way they would when they come to a place like this. The expectations are different. And so we tried table service a couple weekends just to see how it went, and it was not good. Chaos or just catastrophe or not I think no my, vibes? My like, team did a great job, but it just wasn't a good vibe. People were like, that's not this place. This yeah. feels weird. It feels forced. Um, yeah, and I, just, I don't know. I think the room and the offering really shapes the kind of expectation, and I think we're finally aligning those, which I find exciting. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well... Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And Thank telling, you for having and me. And enlightening me about a circular economy and what you're doing with Isla. I'm always happy to talk about myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Crestley. Appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the inaugural Father Carpenter podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with uh, Peter. If you have any comments or insights or feedback or anything that you would like to share with uh, me slash us on the podcast, please feel free to reach out via the socials uh, on Instagram or email or through the website uh, to let us know what you would like to hear about, what what you'd like me to talk about. Uh, If you find anything interesting, if you find anything offensive, if you find holes or flaws in anything that I'm saying, I would love to hear from you. Uh, Thank you very much.